0: hey welcome back to the addicted to healthy podcast your one-stop destination for all things health and a kick-ass life i'm laurence certified nutritional practitioner and health coach and the host of the addicted to healthy podcast so Erin is a pcos health and self-love coach and she helps women ditch hormonal birth control and naturally reverse their symptoms and manage pcos it's her goal to help every woman feel empowered on their pcos journey through deep mind-body connection and simple, effective lifestyle changes. So welcome, Erin, onto the podcast.
1: Thank you. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here. I'm honored.
0: And of course, I love talking about PCOS. We're both specialized in PCOS, so I'm pretty excited for this episode. We can geek out a little bit. But I would first love to hear about your story with PCOS and how you became a coach.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, I was officially diagnosed with PCOS by a doctor only a few years ago, Um, but I knew that I had PCOS long before I was officially diagnosed, so around 18, I started to experience um, some rapid weight gain, and to my utter distress, hirsutism, um, I had a lot of chin facial hair going on. I started going to doctors religiously. I saw one to three different doctors every single year um, trying to find out why I had this embarrassing symptom and I was never able to really get an answer. So knowing what I know now, I don't think that anybody felt like they could do anything for me because I was already on hormonal birth control and I had been for quite a few years. So fast forward five years, countless hours of plucking chin hairs and seeing general practitioners, gynecologists, endocrinologists, um, many, many blood labs done, and even one MRI. Um, I am stuck in traffic one day, and I kind of just had this random epiphany. And I thought, what if all of my symptoms are being caused by my hormonal birth control? So to me, that made sense. Hormonal birth control affects our hormones. Um, And I wasn't quite right, but it led me down a path that eventually led me to being finally diagnosed. So the next day, I am Googling what are the best period books I can read. I stumble upon Dr. Laura Bryden's book, The Period Repair Manual. Love Um, that book. (laughs) So good. So I get maybe a fourth of the way through um, her book And I decide right then and there that I'm going to stop taking my hormonal birth control, um, which I don't recommend in hindsight, but um, I decided I was going to stop taking my hormonal birth control that night. I was going to start using FAM um, as contraception and I was going to figure out what was going on with my hormones. Um, so I did, I quit my hormonal birth control, I kept reading, um, and eventually just kind of came to the natural conclusion that I probably had PCOS. Um, and then it was just my mission to really do all the groundwork to get it officially diagnosed. Um, so it took several months, a lot of research, kind of, you know, a lot of supplements, letting my body kind of even back out after hormonal birth control, um, and I finally booked an appointment with a um, PCOS specialist, is what she called herself, um, who diagnosed me via blood work and um, an ultrasound. Finally, so.
0: That's, wow, so that's it, it was a long journey.
1: It was a very long journey, um, but I would say I just a few months after kind of figuring out that I probably had PCOS. Um, what really drove me to become a coach was the fact that I didn't feel like I had any resources. I didn't have somebody to walk me through the natural lifestyle adjustments that, um, you know, if a woman wants to treat her PCOS naturally and manage it, um, there aren't really a whole lot of resources for that outside of, you know, do it yourself. So becoming a health coach, um, and specializing in PCOS really made a lot of sense to me and it was definitely the right move.
0: Yeah, because you did a lot of self-learning, right? You didn't really have that much support. or people telling you, like, here,
1: you should do this or do that? No, yeah. The, even the PCOS specialist that finally um, diagnosed me uh, was of absolutely no help. She, you know, of course, offered me hormonal birth control. Um, and we got into a bit of a tiff when I told her that that was never, ever happening. <laughs> um, and she basically told me that there was nothing she could do for me. So it's
0: yeah, super frustrating too because I know so many women and it's just like take the pill and then if you don't want to it's like well sorry like nothing we can really do or maybe there will be another drug but yeah usually that's that's kind of that's all they're trained with.
1: Mhm. Right. And I always try to to give a little caveat here because I know that doctors aren't given all of the resources that they could be regarding PCOS. It really deserves its own specialty. Um, And because we're not really there yet um, in the medical world, I know that it's hard for doctors to, you know, give us our lifestyle changes and follow up with us and help us break down the emotional and physical barriers and all of that. So I always try to side with the medical professionals, but it's incredibly frustrating.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I 100% agree. So did you have any, like, side effects when you got off the pill? How was your experience with that?
1: Oh my gosh. (laughs) My journey post pill was horrific. Um, and it's really one of the reasons that I always tell, I mean, I'm a huge advocate for coming off of the pill, especially if the sole reason is to manage PCOS. Um, but I always caveat it with, please look into resources of coming off of it in the best way possible, making sure that your body's as ready as possible um, because post birth control syndrome is real and it's really awful. Um, so when I came off the pill, I actually developed a really severe depression. Um, I did have some other smaller symptoms. You know, my, my acne kind of started to act up a little bit that had never really been a problem for me before. So that was kind of emotional. Um, my hair got really oily for like <laughs> probably four or five months um, and that was kind of hard for me to deal with but the the depression that I developed post pill um, was the scariest thing I have ever been through
0: and yeah, it's interesting because a lot of women I mean there is the research that actually links now the birth control pill to depression but mm-hmm. I rarely hear that the other way around like did you have did you experience depression when you were on the pill, too, or did it just come up when you stopped it?
1: I didn't, actually. Um, I started hormonal birth control at a very, very young age. I was 11, um, so it was immediately after my first bleed, and it really just happened because that's what happened when my mom had her first bleed, um, so there wasn't really any you know, medical reasoning behind it, but um, it's kind of weird because I didn't experienced like the emotional roller coaster of, like being a teenager like i was always very level headed and very level mood um and i realized after i came off the pill that that's because i was like in a total pill fog i had like no real emotions it was really mm-hmm. weird <laughs> so i wouldn't call it depressed but it was a very monotone lifestyle
0: <laughs> yeah and you never really developed like the system going between your endocrine system and like the brain and, you know, like the different hormone production because all of that was suppressed by the pill, right?
1: Exactly. It's so weird to think about in hindsight and I think that it's made, um, you know, the emotional part of my PCOS journey a little um, I don't want to say harder than anybody else's, but it's been a really big part of my healing journey because it really is like, you know, it's like being in a car accident and losing function in your legs and having to learn how to walk again. Like that's what all my moods felt like now. And that's why I think I developed such a severe depression. It was like I had too many feelings all of a sudden.
0: Yeah, and I think that is a very common symptom with PCOS and PCOS women don't usually even... It's not that I don't notice it, but it's almost like a normal state of being that it's like, what does it mean not to be depressed or not to be anxious or, you know, not in that kind of monotone kind of function. Um, But also another thing is that uh, usually a lot of women, they'll go off the pill, right? And they will have this kind of androgen rebound effect with like, they're getting acne now or they're losing their hair or they're getting like, you know, really oily hair and things like that. And I hear a lot of women get scared and they just go back on the pill because they don't want to deal with it. And, you know, it's going to take transition and time. Did you ever have that sort of thinking or fear of like, oh, maybe I should go back on the pill? Did that
1: come up for you? Um, That's a really interesting question because up until probably a few months ago, I would have said no. Um, But because I really have, so I went off of hormonal birth control at 23. I'm now 26, so my journey hasn't really been that long. I feel like I've crammed a lot into it, um, but developing a normal cycle post birth control um, has been a really long journey for me, and it's really just barely started to level out. Um, And so I I didn't have a problem dealing with the immediate effects of post birth control syndrome, But PCOS, just dealing with that in your day-to-day life, um, does have a tendency to kind of knock you down. And um, a few months ago, I would have said, yeah, I'm at a point where I almost wonder if going back on hormonal birth control and just living my life that way is better than dealing with the emotional roller coaster of PCOS and the frustration that comes with not seeing any movement in your health and, and all of those things. So I've definitely been there. I resonate with it quite well.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And I mean, a lot of women do have like debilitating periods and things like that. So it's obviously, you know, their choice if they want to go on birth control, it definitely can alleviate these kind of symptoms, but it is really important. I find that women just be educated on the effects of it for long-term and short-term so that they can actually make that decision. Because I think a lot of a lot of women just have no idea of the effects of the birth control pill and thankfully there is a lot more research coming out. Um, But yeah I mean sometimes it can definitely be super helpful especially if you do really have debilitating symptoms but I just think that there's a lack of information right like we're just not being told what's going on and then we're just given a pill and then years later it's like you want to get pregnant okay let's get off the pill and then you're like oh I have PCOS or I'm not ovulating I don't get it you know so it's quite frustrating.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I I think that there's lack of education on both sides of it, both with hormonal birth control and the effects of it that it has on our body and what it means for long-term health, as well as not understanding and not having the proper resources to know that your symptoms with PCOS don't have to be lifelong that a lot of them are reversible and your periods aren't supposed to be painful and there's a way to naturally manage and deal with those symptoms even if it is a long road and I will say that it can be so yeah there's two sides to every story but I think either way we don't have enough education on it
0: yes so that's where we come in so I want to start with kind of addressing the PCOS types because I think a lot of women don't really they're not really clear on this and they're kind of like I don't know what type I'm or they might not even know that there's a type so what are the different PCOS types?
1: So the PCOS types that um, that I generally try to educate people about are the same ones that you can find in Dr. Laura Bryden's book I think that she outlines the four different types of PCOS pretty clearly. I think that they're widely accepted. Um, and she gives a very straightforward approach on it. So the four different types, um, the four different root causes, would be insulin resistance, inflammation, post-pill, and then adrenal. So insulin resistance um, occurs in roughly 70 to 80 percent of PCOS women. It's a really high number. Um, And the excess insulin causes impaired ovulation, which then leads to the ovaries making um, testosterone instead of estrogen, and it throws our androgens out of whack. Um, Inflammation, PCOS is caused by inflammation and environmental toxins in the air, our food, our packaging, beauty products, cleaning products, Um, all of that good stuff. And inflammation, again, disrupts hormone receptors and causes the ovaries to overproduce androgens, um, causing, again, a hormone imbalance. Um, Post-pill, is really, really common, I think. Um, I've never been able to find an accurate statistic on it, but I imagine that it's a quite high number. Um, But hormonal birth control causes all kinds of craziness in the body. Um, So if you meet all the criteria for PCOS, but don't have insulin resistance, and you were okay prior to starting the pill, um, then it's likely post pill PCOS. Um, this one again has like a little asterisk on it because so many people are starting to take hormonal birth control at such a young age. I think it makes it extremely hard to decide, um, you know, where the hormonal birth control disrupted things and what actually happened naturally. Um, and hormonal birth control can also cause insulin issues. So, you know, it's, um, a very blurry line and then adrenal PCOS, um, to my understanding, is fairly rare. Uh, If you don't meet the criteria for any of the other types of PCOS, and your only elevated androgen is DHEAS, then it's likely that you have adrenal PCOS. I've never met anybody with adrenal PCOS, but I'm sure they're out there.
0: I think that I'm kind of a combination because you can also be a combination, but I definitely think I'm more adrenal than Inflammation PCOS or for mm-hmm. sorry, I'm more adrenal and inflammation PCOS than like insulin resistant PCOS. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also do find that a lot of women who are leaner fit into the adrenal mm-hmm. PCOS compared to like obese PCOS women. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it is definitely a lot rarer than the insulin resistant PCOS. Mm-hmm. Um, but why should we know about our type? Like, why does it matter?
1: Um, So there's a root cause for every condition and where PCOS is concerned, it's important to know that all of our symptoms um, can be reversed if we focus on managing on the root cause. And I think that's where the education piece that we were talking about earlier comes in. Um, So if you know your root cause, you have a fairly um, easy guideline as to how you can start reversing your symptoms. Uh, But Unfortunately, due to a lot of factors, our medical systems typically end up symptom treating versus treating or managing a root cause. And we kind of talked about this. There are a few reasons for that, but mostly I think that doctors just don't have the time, knowledge, or resources to first find the root cause, second, suggest adequate lifestyle change and follow up on it, and then walk patients through the emotional and physical aspects of actually changing the habits. Um, I think the doctors are also striving to make people feel well quick. Um, so they typically address symptoms versus a root cause because managing root causes takes a lot of time. Um, so modern treatment of course would be hormonal birth control or medical intervention of some kind. But the problem with both these options is that both have a very negative impact on our endocrine system and really do nothing for our health except exacerbate the root cause. Um, So if you know your root cause and you have access to healing the body in the most natural way possible, you get the benefits of A, healing your body and then B, not having the side effects that come with the modern treatment for PCOS.
0: Yeah, so we always want to go back to the root cause, of course. I think me and you agree that, you know, we can put a Band-Aid on something but it's not a long-term solution. So that's definitely where this type can really help because I think it get really, really overwhelming, like PCOS is an overwhelming syndrome because there's so much going on. Mm-hmm. And then it also depends, like there's a spectrum, right? Like everyone's different. Uh, my PCOS is gonna be different from yours. It's gonna be, you know, it's gonna change kind of like the treatment outcome. Mm-hmm. Um, but how do we find out which type we are?
1: Um, so the best resource that all of us have is blood work, um, making sh- making sure that we're getting all of the tests done. Um, our hormones are really intricate and we need the full picture to make sure that we're managing our PCOS appropriately. Um, my, one of my favorite resources that I um, am constantly recommending to all PCOS women is the labs guide that PCOS Diva has on her website. Um, it's like my favorite labs guide I've ever found. It's very straightforward and she breaks down um, normal ranges and what all of the different tests mean. Um, And it's not an extensive list, but it's a really good starting point. Um, And I I think that sometimes, you know, for me, I happen to have a phobia of needles, believe it or not. Um, So getting blood work done is terrifying for me, but there have been many times where I've gone back to doctors and told them that I wanted XYZ tests done um, because I just wanted that for my own information. Being your own advocate is really, really important with PCOS. And then, of course, there are other tools. Um, if you are suspecting of insulin resistance, you um, can use like a blood glucose meter um, to test for insulin issues. Um, I've also, and I know that other people have created um, kind of a find your type PCOS quiz, which are by no means definitive, but can give a good jumping off point for somebody to start thinking, okay, what tests would I potentially need to, to get that done and figure out if that's where I'm heading or not. So. Yeah,
0: amazing. So I'll definitely link um, your quiz in the show notes. I think that can be really helpful. And then definitely looking at things like symptoms can actually be helpful too. And then just history, obviously, like if you've never been on the pill, then you obviously won't be pill-induced, things like that. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, like if there's more inflammation going on, like gut inflammation, under a lot of stress, if you've had like trauma or, you know, emotional distress in your life, then that can definitely be a cause as well. But yeah, definitely blood testing is really important. Mm-hmm. And then definitely doing like full panels because I also find that I go to my doctor. Um, my doctor's actually really good. She'll just do whatever I say. But I yeah. do find a lot of my clients, if I'm like, yes, um, can you please, you know, order like a thyroid panel? This is like a really good example. Um, they'll just do like TSH or maybe like T3 or something, but they mm-hmm. won't do the full thyroid panel. So it can be very frustrating. So really important to find... Someone who will do you know, thorough testing.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So now we know how to find out. Um, what about different types? So can we, are we usually just one type? Can we be more than one type? Does yeah. it change over time?
1: Mm-hmm. Absolutely, so you actually mentioned this before that you um, feel like you kind of straddle two different types of PCOS. So you can absolutely um, have multiple root causes Um, There usually is a singular root cause at the very, very root cause. So like, if you think of like the evolution of your PCOS, there was one thing that really kind of got it ticking. Um, But as you move through life, that one root cause ends up causing another root cause that affects each other. Um, And then it kind of just spirals a little bit out of, you know, from there. So for example, I have insulin resistance PCOS at my very root. Um, But it's caused a lot of inflammation in my body. So I have insulin resistance issues and a lot of inflammation, which is very common. Um, But I would say, and this is typically what I do with my clients, is find the one that is um, more singular, that was there more in the beginning. So for me, that would be insulin resistance. Um, And that's typically what I start Um, trying to manage first. And then you see those other kind of root causes decrease as you really get the one main one under control, if that makes sense. So it definitely can change um, depending on so many different things, your environment, your stress level, your diet, your exercise. I mean, there are a million factors and it can be difficult to, to understand where you're supposed to start. I think that's what a lot of women struggle with is where the heck do I even start?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. So this can definitely help kind of narrow it down. And for instance, with you, insulin resistant, as you were saying, that can also feed into inflammation, etc. So mm-hmm. if you tackle the insulin resistant, that's going to make a huge difference because that's feeding into a lot of other avenues and like, an ovulation, you know, regular periods. So this is what we're all about the holistic kind of healing approach to PCOS. Cause if we just, you know, put a bandaid on something, we're not addressing like where the fire is coming from. So if we kind of, you know, put out the fire, then it can be a lot, um, This is how we heal, basically, and this is where we can reverse the symptoms, which is totally possible, which I'm so glad that you brought up because I think a lot of women, there's just a lot of negativity in this space, and Mm -hmm. I really want, I think me and you are, you know, kind of on the same page with that, like, you know, empowering women, letting them know that it totally is possible to not have PCOS, to not, you know, Mm -hmm. want to tear out their hair, or, you know, just feel like a crazy woman every month. Um, This is definitely not normal. We should not be living like this. So it's really important to kind of spread that message. Um, So what happens next in terms of, you know, you're finding out your type, uh, what, how do you kind of go about managing your PCOS once you find out that type?
1: Um, It's really um, an individualized approach. Um, I don't, I don't think that we can say you have insulin resistance. This is exactly what you need to do because all of us are living our own individual lives. So um, it's really hard to say what exactly is next, but there are, um, to me, there are like three big um, areas of your life that have to uh, change in order to properly manage your PCOS, which would be diet, exercise, and then stress management. Um, And I would also kind of couple mental health in there with stress management. I think that um, when those three pieces are being managed appropriately, PCOS becomes infinitely more manageable.
0: 100% agree. So what were some things that really helped you when you were, you know, transitioning off the pill and on your own PCOS journey? What were kind of the big things that, what are the big changes that you made that really made like a big difference?
1: yeah so um it was a lot of trial and error (laughs) i often say um that our bodies are kind of our biggest experiment because like you said um we never know how one thing is going to affect me versus somebody else because we're also individual and our PCOS is so individual. Um, so for me, like I said, diet, exercise, stress management, and mental health were really the biggest needle movers. Um, right now, my diet um, is still really in kind of a transition phase. Um, I was doing a very... Low carb diet for a while, and my naturopath, um, who is my main PCOS doctor, um, actually recommended that I attempt keto. So I am doing that right now, and so far it's okay. Um, But regardless, um, approaching my diet as an insulin resistance diet was huge for me. So even just taking that very first step and saying, okay, I need to figure out my carb tolerance and I really need to manage how I'm eating on a daily basis um, was definitely the first biggest step. Um, Exercise has probably been my favorite step, believe it or not. Um, I weight train with a personal trainer two to three times a week. And then I keep it fairly light um, activity-wise in between. So I do active recovery days that looks like 30, 40-minute walks um, or yoga in the mornings um, before my PCOS diagnosis. And really actually a good bit after it, even though I knew that it was something I needed to start implementing, I refused to exercise. Um, I was lethargic. I felt uncomfortable working out. Um, I felt like I didn't know what to do. I was just... I mean, everything about it, I hated. Um, I would sometimes force myself to go to like group classes, um, which were horrible for my PCOS and actually really worked against me for quite a while. Um, But then when I decided to get really serious about it, I had to make a really big move and figure out how I was going to be able to hold myself accountable. Um, So I actually negotiated to have my workplace pay for my personal training as part of my compensation package so that I could start weight training and getting really comfortable with all forms of exercise. Um, Weight training is a great exercise for insulin resistance people especially um, because increased muscle mass leads to an increase in insulin sensitivity. Um, So I would say really exercise has been um, probably my, my number one area of life that helped increase my overall life experience um, and definitely has been one of the biggest needle movers for my PCOS journey as a whole and then stress management of course um, and like I said I'll kind of couple that with mental health um, is definitely a huge piece of the puzzle that I think is often ignored um, We talked about how I struggled with depression before. Um, I still struggle with anxiety quite a bit. I've struggled with disordered eating in the past um, and just naturally have really high stress levels um, as well as childhood trauma. And all of that has had a huge impact on my body and my PCOS. So um, healing those parts and learning how to manage them daily Um, has been really, really impactful. Uh, Therapy has hands down been one of the best investments of my whole life. Um, I recommend it to everybody, whether they think they need a therapist or not, uh, because it's just such a great um, experience and so helpful. So that along with, you know, a good handful of supplements and uh, (laughs) some good sleep.
0: Yeah, I 100% agree. And I definitely agree with the therapist or counselor. I resisted that for so long, but I developed disordered eating with because of PCOS. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we kind of think that, you know, we're a burden. We don't want to ask for help or like we can figure it out ourselves, but we might be able to figure it out ourselves, but it's going to take a lot longer. It's going to be a lot more painful and it's going to be a lot more frustrating. So I think it's really important to, you know, reach out for help because you can't do this alone, even, you know, people like us who you know dig and do the research we can't do it alone so really important to have support and I love that you're talking about you know making exercise you know fun and more personalized to you because I think a lot of us are just still in a mindset of you know got to go to the gym get on the treadmill or go for a run for like an hour like the longer you do it the better and there's just the research just does not uh, support that anymore it's you know, shorter workouts more efficient, you know, strength training, using weights, even hit trainings. And then also the opposite spectrum of actually doing slower movement, like walking, yoga, Pilates, really important to balance those two. And I think it's awesome because you don't have to go for like a two hour run. You can do it in like 20, 30 minutes, like a good workout. And that will actually be more beneficial for you. So Definitely think that (laughs) message needs to go out there because I'm just sick of people of seeing people, you know, killing themselves at the gym and they're hating it and there's really no point of doing it if it's something that you hate, right? It's not sustainable. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I um I cringe every time I see a cardio bunny on the treadmill. (laughs) I mean I just it just murders me a little bit inside every time. It, again, it, it all goes back to education. We're just not taught about what is really best for our bodies. And really there's a big gap between what is best for a female body versus a male body. Um, and that is something that we don't often take into account when we're reading research on how best to exercise. It's definitely a little different when you have cyclical hormones.
0: Yeah. And I think it's also like the fact that we just, Follow. I mean, lot, most of the research is on men, and you know all of these kind of diets and trends and like exercise routines. A lot of it is based on kind of men's needs, and mm-hmm. of course, women can do anything that a man can do. But we're not <laughs> supposed to be kind of our bodies are not the same. That's just that's the whole point. We're just not mm-hmm. the same, so we can't you know do the same things as them. And and I think we also um, want to look into changing things up as well, especially with the menstrual cycle. I think a lot of people are now talking about, you know, syncing their workouts with their menstrual cycle, which is really cool because a lot of us, you know, when you're doing, when you have your period, most of us don't really want to go out for like a HIIT workout or like a crazy weight lifting session. And that's totally normal and okay. And that's kind of the time where you want to go for like a walk or yoga instead. So it's really important to listen to your body as well. And I wanted to dive into, for the last uh, few minutes, PCOS and mindset, because I also 100% agree with this. It was the missing link for me, um, and it's something that we don't really talk about. So what is the link between like a healthy, quote-unquote, mindset and an unhealthy, quote-unquote, mindset when it comes to healing PCOS?
1: Mm. This is such a huge topic, Um, and I love talking about it, but... Honestly, it's still like a journey that I'm on, and I think I will be until all of my PCOS symptoms are, are reversed. Um, but I have really grown into loving being a mental health advocate for women that have PCOS. Um, it's become one of my biggest passions, and I think that mental health and mindset doesn't receive nearly enough attention, um, you know, as does PCOS. I mean, neither of them are focused on enough. Um, You know, we know about all of the negative health impacts that um, PCOS and mental health have on each other, and I think that it's really interesting to consider how all of our past traumas and emotional bouts really affect the body uh, physically and biology, but... I it's think a big one. <laughs> I know it's like I'm trying to, you know, and I even wrote down like so many notes on this and I'm like, but where do I even start? Um I think the hardest part about explaining this piece is that it is different for everybody and mental health and mindset is like such a big journey that it's like you can't just like tally up everything that like worked and didn't work, right? Like it was it's so much trial and error. Um, it's you know waking up every day and trying to put on a good mindset for the day and sometimes making it and sometimes failing and trying out the meditation and the yoga and the affirmations and the law of attraction books and you know the the mindset books and all of those different things that I've tried over the years and it's like what really worked for me and the the answer is I have no idea, but in the end it totally did so I agree. I I
0: think it's like an accumulation. I'm totally the same. It's kind of like if somebody asked me like what was the huge like shift like I could maybe name a few things but it's an accumulation of showing up consistently like you know there are days where you're not going to feel like it or you're not going to want to show up but it's really about being consistent with all of these pieces that we're talking about you know movement, nutrition, self-care and then it's it is a muscle as well. So you know, our mind—if um, we are kind of stuck in the negative mindset of just you know negative emotions, negative thoughts just coming up over and over, or I suck, I can't do this, I'm whatever—that um, just becomes ingrained, right? So mm-hmm. we can talk about the subconscious mind and how like the beliefs kind of imprint into your body, etc. Um, but yeah, I think it's definitely the small things that really add up the most, and it's really the cumulative effect. So you know. Yeah working on it every single day, whatever that may be, and then experimenting as well. Are there like certain practices that you do on a day-to-day basis that kind of help, I guess, strengthen your mindset?
1: Yeah, so I would say um, I totally agree. I think the accumulative effect is what it really comes down to. Um, You know, wanting to see the silver lining every day um, and on those days when you can't see it, knowing that you're going to come back to it um, and not just giving up on it. For me, um, daily, I would say the biggest thing that has um, an impact on me is definitely meditation. I start off my mornings typically with some yoga, um, but I always try to give myself, even if it's just three minutes in the morning, um, some time to really address how I'm feeling, to really go through you know, how am I feeling physically, how do I feel mentally today, um, really setting my intention for the day, and then trying to uphold that throughout the day. Um, Some things that I do on a regular basis, though maybe not every day, um, I'm definitely a big fan of any type of um, mindset or kind of Uh, boss babe centric uh, books. I'm a big avid reader. So um, things like that really keep me in a positive mindset. Um, And I'm a big um, proponent of law of attraction. So I like to read books like that because they tend to be positive and uplifting. Um, And reading combined with that material, like you said, it's a muscle and it just seems to exercise it really well for me. Um, I tend to see my PCOS as um, you know, another job, but in a good way. Um, I approach it very systematically and I continue to believe that there isn't a reality where I don't successfully reverse my symptoms and help others do the same. Um, so really believing that it's my purpose to move through PCOS as a learning experience and come out the other side of it um, really helps me keep my own mindset where I prefer it to be. Um, So it definitely hasn't always been this way, but I can now see all of the things that I believe my PCOS is here to teach me and to drive me to do. Um, You know, learning to put myself first, learning how to care for my body, learning how to help others, learning how to find my real purpose, standing up for those who can't stand up for themselves. Um, Mindset is so personal to each person, but regardless, I definitely encourage everyone to find what works for them and to stick to it. It's a absolutely crucial part of healing.
0: I love it. You nailed it. I definitely think that you're such an inspiration for PCL as a woman. So thank you for coming on the podcast today Mm -hmm. and sharing your story and some golden nuggets with us. Uh, Before we hop off, would you like to share with us where we can find you, how we can connect with you, what's going on?
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so you can find me, of course, on my website. Um, it's sistersociety.co. I am actually um, in the process of some really cool stuff. So I would love when people jump on and just kind of check out what's new. Um, I have a Facebook group as well, the PCOS Girl Gang. Uh, all of us are pretty cool in there. I have to admit, but I love being able to share some free resources, um, you know, free guides and stuff like that that I hope make the journey a little easier. Um, and then, of course, my favorite platform is Instagram at PCOS Health Coaching. Um, I love to be able to interact with everybody there, and that's where I do all of my micro blogging. So um, it's a really fun hobby for me, and I love to be able to share good information. So.
0: Amazing. Well, I definitely um, suggest that you guys go follow her if you don't already. I will put the links in the show notes so it's super easy to follow her and join her groups, etc. Thank you so much, Erin, for coming on. I really appreciate it. And it was such a pleasure to chat with you.
1: Thank you for having me. It was a pleasure to be here. Thank you so much.
0: Thank you for listening to today's episode. I hope you loved it. As usual, if you do, I always appreciate a review and rating on iTunes. If you don't know how to do it, Google it. It's really, really easy. It takes three seconds. And it really does help me reach more people and help to educate more of those people who really need to hear this kind of stuff. So it's really, really helpful. So I really appreciate your support. And if you like the episode, if you want to chat, discuss anything, definitely share on Instagram. And I will tag you, mention you, shout out. and. I always do appreciate your support. So thank you again for tuning in and I will chat to you guys next week.